Hey everybody, welcome to We Make the Pod by Talking. This is Takashi, and today we're going to be talking about gaming culture and、uh, certain like, aspects of toxicity. And if we have time, we'll get into like, esports, because I know this is an education podcast, and talking about like, the dynamics of how the students are interacting with、um, video games and the esports.、Um, and today we have a, a special guest, Terry. Um, Terry, I don't know if you want to just like quickly introduce yourself. Yeah, sure.、Uh, what's up, y'all?、Uh, my name is Terry McCall.、Um, yeah, I've been in the gaming, I've been gaming for yeah, pretty much as long as I can remember.、Um, maybe a few years after that.、Um, but yeah, I've been just、uh, kind of in the gaming space for a while now.、Uh, I. You know, not only just for fun, but、uh, I also work、uh, for a production company for、um, an esports company. And yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thank you.、Um, we can kind of just start off with、um, the first question. Like, what has been your experience with、uh, the gaming? Yeah, for sure.、Um, yeah, like I mentioned,、um, yeah, I've been. Gaming for ever since I can remember, I, I can remember my first time like actual playing Nintendo,、um, which was my first like system or gaming platform that I play. And,、uh, and when I talk about gaming, I'm mostly talking about like video games.、Um, there's all kinds of gaming out there, like tabletop,、um, card games, and stuff like that.、Uh, but my main focus is on video games. And yeah, so yeah, I've been. Playing since I was a kid、um, at one of my family friends' house, played on their Nintendo, and just really fell in love with it since then.、Um, grew up,、um, yeah, find, like really begged and pleaded、uh, my parents to get, also get a Nintendo. And、uh, yeah, we're of little means, but my parents really saw how much I really loved it.、Um, so they ended up getting me a Nintendo. Um, and yeah, it kind of just went from there.、Um, grew up playing mostly at home at first、uh, with Nintendo, Super Nintendo, and stuff.、Um, and then as I got older and、um, was able to like kind of stay out more, I started getting into arcade games and、um, particularly uh, fighting um, games um, such as Street Fighter. Um, Mortal Kombat, stuff like that. And、uh, really got invested in、uh, the fighting game community.、Um, yeah, and around, I'd say, junior high to high school ish, I started traveling out to tournaments and、um, just really had a blast.、Um, met a lot of cool people. And、um, ironically enough,、uh, when I was Went to go choose my undergrad school.、Uh, one of like, the big like, selling points for ending up choosing、uh, University of California, San Diego, was that it was in SoCal.、Uh, the SoCal scene, fighting game scene, was really big.、Um, not so much San Diego, but it was close enough to LA,、uh, Westminster in particular.、Um, Uh, Southern Hills Golfland, a particular arcade which I really idolized. 
um, a lot of really good players and um, some of my friends who I've met over, you know, online forums and chats and stuff uh, played there. So I wanted to be closer to the action. Uh, so yeah, I was like, okay, yeah, SoCal school is pretty cool. Um, ironically enough though, uh, as soon as I went um, into like a summer bridge program for my, right before starting my freshman year, uh, I really got involved with that summer bridge program. And uh, I remember my father, uh, I, I really, I, at first, like when I was like, I don't want to go to summer school, right? Like it's summer school. Like this is my last summer as, um, you know, before college, like I just want to have fun, right? And that year was the very first year of Evo, which is now, well, even back then was the biggest fighting game tournament in the world. Um, so I, I cut a deal with my dad. He was like, okay, you, you go to this summer school thing. You go for one weekend, right? And if you like it, then you can stay. Um, if you don't like it, then I'll pay for your way to go to Evo. And, um, you know, young me, which is like, oh, that's that's a wrap, right? Like, I'll just go, you know, I'm, it's like a all expenses paid vacation, right? Like, I'm just going to go there. Uh, but what ended up happening is uh, I really love the folks that I met at um, Summer Bridge and the kind of things that I was learning there about social justice and stuff. So I ended up staying after all. And for the most part of my college, like uh, undergrad, undergrad uh, time, I just, yeah, I didn't really play a lot of video games. I was really invested in the community that I had found there. Um, but then after I graduated, I kind of started, I came back home. Um, that was during the, uh, the recession. So there wasn't really much going on job-wise. I was um, at home just looking for work for a really long time. And um, yeah, as a result, I had a lot more free time than uh, I did during school. So I ended up getting back into fighting games. Uh, one of my, my favorite game series, Marvel versus Capcom, uh, they had just released a new version, uh, Marvel versus Capcom 3. And um, the second game is the game that I love. It, to this day, it's still my favorite video game ever. Um, so I was just really excited. Um, got in contact with old friends um, back in uh, uh, the 707 area of Nor Northern California. Um, you know, met some old friends, met some new friends, and then just kind of um, picked up where I left off. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um... I think it's it's also interesting you brought up gaming as also not just video games because I totally forgot that could also be part of gaming too like um, board games card games uh, I mean chess is also like a game right uh, Mancala yeah, Dep depending on uh, I guess the circumstances or the environment of its time uh, people create games based on that um, and yeah it's it's kind of interesting because there's a, also a community of gamers that you know play Dungeons and Dragons or you know that are really hardcore into chess so that's pretty cool that's also considered gaming too and um personally for me um i i mean i was i, I never participating in any gaming tournaments but my first introduction of uh, video games was uh super mario world on it was actually on super famicom because at that time i was living in japan <laughs> and um that was the only game console that i had 
because uh, as soon as I moved to you know the United States, there was no Super Famicom. It was just Super Nintendo, and I couldn't like Super Nintendo games were not compatible with the Famicom because the cartridge cartridges were different. Um, and I didn't know like where to buy these games. Um, so I was just stuck with the <laughs> Super Mario World uh, pretty much for my entire childhood. And I just kept playing it over and over and, you know, discovered like different parts of the levels. Um, and for me, um, I played a lot with my cousins on the Nintendo because they had the they had the old school Nintendo. Uh, they all they were also into the Sega Genesis. Um, I, I remember one of the games we played was the Avengers, which was interesting because now Avenger is more popular than ever. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know if you ever played that game, Terry. Uh, it was it had Captain America, Invisible Man, uh, Hawkeye. Uh, but it was like one of those beat em up side scrolling games. Oh, uh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I just had a fun playing that game because, you know, you get to play with, you know, uh, it's multiplayer and, you know, you side scroll and beat the bosses uh super mario brothers 3 was also one that was popular um and yeah when i got into like middle school uh i played like different computer games most of the games that uh my cousins and i played were all demos because you know we didn't want to pay for like the (laughs) the full price of the video games Mm -hmm. so we would just get demos we would figure out ways to download it this was during like the dial-up so like everything was super slow. Sometimes you have to let the computer like run overnight. And um, eventually uh, the games that I really got into were like SimCity 2000. Um, yeah. I, I remember liking the Carmen Sandiego games too. That was like those education games. Um, we used to play this game called Red Alert, Red Alert which is a Command and Conquer uh, series. Yeah. My cousin and I were really into that one. Um, and then... I don't know. My mom was always like, oh, you're playing that war game again, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it has like violence and like yeah. guns. guns. I mean, looking back on it, like now that game is probably not as violent as like some of the games that we see today. <laughs> For sure. Uh, um, I mean, during that time, games like Doom and like Duke Nukem, um, those kind of games are popping out. But I was never really into shooting games. I, I'm more into like the strategy uh, war kind of games. Um, yeah. To this day, like I, I, I kind of play Age of Empires too, but not competitively. Uh, I would say like that's the only game that I I still kind of play. But uh, yeah, that's kind of my experience with gaming. It's it kind of shifted like you know started from Super Mario World, um, then like into war, war kind of games, strategy games, and you know I enjoy playing um, like Super Smash Brothers with my cousin, my younger cousins and my brother um yeah like multiplayer games are something i i do enjoy Mm -hmm. for sure uh just to bring up something um about the super famicon and super nintendo uh i mean back then like a lot of a lot more games came out in japan so like the japanese games a lot of times um like i know for me as a kid like i really liked dragon ball um before it even came out over here in the states and stuff or actually in Mexico first, which has always been interesting. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, the cartridges are actually compatible with each other. Like if you look inside the Super Nintendo, like the American Super Nintendo, there's these two plastic tabs that actually just, it's only it like physically blocks like a Super Famicom cartridge from coming in. 
so what I ended up doing is like I took a pair. I I don't or did I do pliers? Oh no no I used a soldering iron. So I basically melted the tabs off so I could play Super Famicom games what? on Super Nintendo. <laughs> I had no idea. All this time yeah. I, I could have <laughs> used uh, used the Super Nintendo cartridges. Yeah, I remember I was like so happy when I found that out because um yeah <laughs> uh, growing up like every like you know uh, my family half of my family is over in Japan so we would go over every once in a while so I'd just be like super excited right go to Akihabara um you know the electric like town over there and like you know maybe pick out like one game or something um you know games are expensive especially for a kid back then so. And like bring it home, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I got this new game. It's like not even out um, in America." But then I totally couldn't read it. Um, I liked a lot of RPG. Well, I didn't. I like. I fell in love with RPGs like later on. Um, but yeah, actually, one of my favorite games now um, is an RPG called Dragon Quest V, and um, it's actually like my online name namesake comes from that game. Uh, Hagure. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, that's you know it's interesting about Dragon Quest. It's so popular in Japan. I remember like people were talking about it all the time. It was always in the magazines that I read, like the 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 comics that uh, I would, you know, purchase and read. Mm-hmm. But I never understood like the the significance of RPG at that time. Maybe I was just mm-hmm. too young or didn't really care for it. Um and yeah, it wasn't until I got older too that I realized, oh yeah, RPG is really fun and it takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, like, I mean, yeah, like I said, like when I was younger, I was like, ah, it's like just a bunch of reading and like, yeah. there's no action. You're just in these <clears throat> menus and stuff, right? Uh, but the stories and stuff are really cool, really epic. Um, they're, the, you know, role-playing game is based on the whole tabletop uh, game and especially Japanese RPGs, they took a lot of inspirations from uh, what is it called Dungeons and Dragons, right? Um, the kind of like tabletop board game that um, you know you roll a dice and then your characters has like stats of like you know attack and defense and magic and stuff like that. Um, so Dragon Quest in particular um, really took a lot of influence from that um, that game. And uh, interestingly enough about Dragon Quest, so some more like quick t- facts and stuff, uh, Japan passed a law saying that Dragon Quest games could not be released on um, like normal work days because too many people were just calling off of work because the games were that popular that whenever they released, like nobody would go to work, nobody would go to school. Um, so they had to be released on a weekend. Uh, and I actually passed a law for that. I think it's still, to this day, it's still, yeah, you can't really release a Dragon Quest game. Um, they're not as popular as they used to be, but still, yeah, Japan has a really big love for that game series. It's pretty funny, but <laughs> I had no idea about that law. Yeah, super crazy. Yeah, I think more and more people are starting to um, know what Dragon Quest is because of the 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 hero character in Super Smash Brothers that mm-hmm. became popular. Well, that's becoming more popular right now in the States. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people were aware who that character is, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you mentioned about arcades, which I think is kind of interesting because, I mean, right now, you know, we're in a pandemic, so 
a lot of places are not open. But even before the pandemic, I felt like that whole arcade culture has been kind of going downhill. Uh, yeah. I, I remember um, I remember enjoying going to arcades like, in, you know, where I grew up, um, they were like very cheap arcades, uh, like right next to the theater. Like some of the games cost only like a nickel mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, quarter. And they had all these like old school games. Um, Street Fighter definitely. Um, I, I also enjoyed the Street Fighter versus uh, Capcom. I think it was mm-hmm. the second one that that was the one I really enjoyed the most. I remember uh, Little Tokyo in um, downtown LA had this really small arcade and everything was pretty cheap. And this was like back in the 2010s. And um, I would kind of go there for like lunch break because I used to work nearby there and just, you know, just play, play the arcade games. So it's, it's kind of interesting. There aren't too many arcades that are left open anymore. I, I can only name one actually that's around my area. But I know that's something um, that was kind of like a social event, you know, people that's where people would meet up and just hang out and play games. Yeah, definitely. Um, the arcade culture. Yeah. When we were growing up in like the 80s and 90s was definitely its heyday, um, the golden era for arcades. Um, yeah, I, I know exactly which arcade you're talking about, Japan Arcade. Um, I've been there a few times before it closed down. Uh, it's really cool. It was a ni- nice little shop. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, these days, especially in the States, um, I can think of a few arcades that used to be open, um, pre-pandemic and now are really, most, a lot of them have shut down as a result. Um, even, well, like you said, even before the pandemic, just, you know, um, back then arcade games were a lot more, you know, cooler um, than the home console games like on Nintendo and Super Nintendo, like, you know, being standalone machines um, that cost a lot, you know, thousands of dollars, like they could do a lot more graphics or a lot bigger, had cooler games and stuff like that. Um, nowadays, you know, the home consoles are so powerful, you know, the graphics and stuff on the home consoles are, have really overtaken that. So there's not really that much of a need, you, you know, for, you know, at least in terms of like the games for arcade games, um, but definitely, you know, what really attracted me to them um, was the the culture and the, you know, the scene around the arcades. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I really like fighting games, multiplayer games, um, and just that, you know, that feeling of, you know, putting your quarter up, you know, there's a line of people uh, on the, you know, the Street Fighter or the Mar- Marvel versus Capcom, you know, arcade. And, you know, there's just people, you're actually interacting with people. And, um, you know, even to this day, um, even though, you know, we're not going to arcades, uh, the fighting game community having been born from that um, era, as opposed to other competitive gaming scenes, um, that kind of history uh, that's being rooted inside a physical location at an arcade uh, really has defined uh, the fighting game community um, and has made it uh, develop differently than other esports, um, which is something that I really love about it. Um, but also, there's some, you know, seedier aspects to it um, too um, that might not be in play with other communities. But yeah, maybe something I can touch upon later. Yeah. 
Yeah, we could get into that. Uh, but before we do, I, I kind of also want to point out, I remember at the arcades, there were, there were a lot of different shooting games. Like the, mm-hmm. what is it? House of the Dead was really popular. I remember uh, yep. Time Crisis. Time Crisis. <laughs> that was like, yeah. I, I, I always had a hard time with that game because I always run out of time. Um, yeah, so in a way, like those kind of shooting games also became more popular too. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I was watching some YouTube videos saying like some of those arcade games never really made it to the console like the classic mm-hmm. the simpsons game that was a really yeah, popular game love that game and I'm, I'm actually surprised it never got into the console because i think a lot of people would have enjoyed it um same thing with the the x-men arcade game too yeah i know uh, from that game colossus is a, a really big meme forgot about that that's true yeah it's super loud you could always hear when somebody <laughs> did that in the arcade um yeah, yeah that, that was another reason why um arcades kind of had this distinct thing right where you know like those games you could play four players you know back then super nintendo nintendo like only like a couple of games you know you could play more than two players or even more than one player a lot of the time so yeah, that was definitely one of the appeals to arcade games too. Yeah, and and those driving games too; those were really popular. Yeah, and you get to feel like you're sitting in an actual car or driving mm-hmm. a speed race. Uh, there were motorcycles. I remember like there were some ski games too. Yeah, definitely the the physicality of arcade games is a really big thing, especially um, as you know, um, consoles started getting more powerful. Arcades started really leaning into like, okay, what kind of you know, experiences can we create that are that can only be had, you know, here at an arcade. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to get into the whole uh, your thoughts on the gaming culture? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, what what kind of questions did you have in mind? Um, I guess we could kind of start off, uh, like, because I know you mentioned earlier about like the certain positive aspect and also like certain negative aspects maybe you could start with positive and then go into the negative because i know we'll probably have a lot to say about that too for sure for sure um yeah i guess you know for me um you know as i mentioned i've been playing video games my whole life um you know uh, like when i was little uh and i had my nintendo um you know i wanted to learn more about these games right there's no internet uh, back then, you know, so if you wanted to learn about these games, you had to get magazines and stuff like that. So, you know, whenever um, my we're a military family, so like whenever my mom would go shop grocery shopping on base, um, the the exchange there had, uh, you know, a really extensive magazine section, right? So um, they had all the gaming magazines there. So, you know, while she was shopping, she would drop, she would drop me off at the exchange first and then go to the commissary after um, to do her shopping and stuff. And I would just spend the whole time there just reading game magazines. Um, and eventually, um, you know, she, she noticed that. And um, eventually we ended up getting a subscription to Nintendo Power. Um, and I would just read these magazines like, all day every day and literally that is how i learned how to read or how learned how to love reading um, i mean i was definitely a bookworm growing up um but what really interested me um like took me took a hold of me at first was trying to learn more about these video games 
Um, so that's for me definitely a positive aspect, right? Like I'm I'm learning all these like crazy big words. I remember like I hella looked up the meaning of vice versa. Like you would always, they would always use that in like these video games. And I'm like, what the hell is vice versa? Like that doesn't sound like anything, right? <laughs> like doesn't sound like any kind of word. So I remember like yeah. looking and it's like a two word thing, right? So it's not, it wasn't available in my, my little handheld, you know, normal word dictionary. I had to go to the library and look at the big, I don't know, Merriam-Webster, huge, thick dictionary and like, oh, okay. I see what that means now. And like, there's a lot of times where I did that. Um, so yeah, like games really taught me how to read. Um, and yeah, even uh, later on, like I was talking about, you know, importing Japanese games. Um, you know, I'm playing these RPGs, like I couldn't read them, at, you know? So I would, um, as I got older and trying to learn Japanese, um, I was like looking up every kanji and you know like as i was reading and like trying to figure it out and writing it down like making flashcards not flashcards but like notes at like common ones that would come up so i wouldn't know what they mean um should have did that a little bit more lean that into that more because i still can't really read kanji <laughs> um it's hard yeah for sure uh but yeah so yeah that's definitely been one of the positive aspects um but really though like for me the most positive thing is just the communities uh, that have built up around them. Um, you know, every there's there's so many different kinds of games as we were talking about. Um, you know, like I like fighting games, or shooting games, you know, action games. You know, you're talking about command and conquer, like real time strategy games. Um, so every community is different, um, but the particular community I love uh, with fighting games. Um, you know, just because you're at, you know, in the arcade and stuff, like you have, you build a, a really big camaraderie, right? Um, so these are people who, you know, you see every time you go to the arcade or, you know, when you go to a tournament, um, you'll see like, um, even to this day, well, not so much because of, you know, COVID, um, but pre-COVID, like I would go to tournaments, you know, a few times a year and it's just like, seeing my old friends that I've been seeing like only at these events right because they're coming from all over the world um you know just like Street Fighter right like where you know you go to Japan or India right like I would see like friends that I only know you know see at these events who are coming from all you know everywhere like places I've never even heard of right and you know you're just fight you're competing against each other you know, at first, of course, you know, during the tournament, but most of the tournament, at least for me, the, the big part of it is just hanging out with people and getting to know people. Um, the stuff that happens outside of the video games is what's really um, kept me in that community, right? Um, so yeah, uh, a lot of my friends um, now are, you know, from fighting games. Um, even younger, before I started traveling, like my internet friends were from fighting games. And so, yeah, I've built these relationships and communities that have lasted me, you know, for my whole life. So it's been um, definitely really nice. Um, and as I mentioned before, like now I work in esports. Um, so, you know, I got my job from um, gaming and 
today, especially, you know, the gaming industry is huge, like super crazy big budget, you know, for better or for worse. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there for gaming right now too. So yeah, I think there's um, a lot to be said about the positive aspects of gaming. Yeah, that's really cool. I actually didn't realize people all over the world were coming in to play these games, um, yep. you know, in one location. Yeah, I think um, especially with fighting games in particular, I mean, it happens with all kinds of competitive gaming or esports where it's like a worldwide thing. Um, but yeah, I think particularly with fighting games, um, our international communities really kind of play with each other just you know just because it was like in the games itself right where you you go you know you have these characters coming from all around the world so it's kind of like from the game it can be part of the culture and um and i guess another aspect of that too that i wanted to talk about is um with fighting games you know like that culture came from the arcade uh as opposed to other gaming communities so um a lot of times you know the people at arcades playing arcade games were um, kids who, you know, their parents, like, um, there's a lot of people of color in the fighting game community um, versus other gaming communities, which uh. is something that I've really, uh, especially as I've gotten older and to come to understand, you know, like kind of my camaraderie and people who I That's interesting. Yeah. identify with. Yeah. Um, uh, it's and a large part of it is because, you know, it's a lot cheaper to you know have your kids play arcade games for you know a nickel a quarter as opposed to buying these expensive like consoles or later on like computers pcs um which could be hundreds to thousands of dollars right compared to like an arcade which is like you know some change some loose change um and also it was like uh, for me especially um in my family like you know my my parents weren't like particularly happy that I was gaming all the time, you know, um, back then, like gaming wasn't nearly as mainstream or as widely accepted as it is now. Um, but, you know, they saw the positive aspects of it. Like, you know, they're like, they saw me, it, I was reading all the time because of it, but it was also helping me keep out of trouble. Right. Like instead of like being out on the streets or doing who knows what I was at the arcade, I was just playing video games. Right. You know, maybe not the best location for, you know, a young you know a young black boy to be at but definitely far from the worst right so yeah that's that's actually a good point i didn't really make that connection of why fighting games are actually popular for people of color um because mm. even in street fighter characters there's diversity i mean i know they're also based on stereotypes of like yeah. what the <laughs> japanese perceive Strong you know stereotypes. i mean you got the brazilian as this like green monster you know like yeah. The but but uh guys huge yeah. boxer or a yeah. dj <laughs> yeah it's uh, just yeah i know the representation has an issue mm -hmm. but but i think um i think you are right about that uh because it is much cheaper to you know just play those games than to invest in like more expensive consoles um i also felt like the shooting games were more expensive at the arcades too for whatever reason yep yeah. I don't know why. Uh, maybe because of the the gadgets they have to use or something. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, that's definitely true. And the whole like the whole like uh, I guess idea of gaming or what the gamers 
uh, have also kind of shifted too. Because I remember growing up, gamers were kind of seen as like nerds or people who mm-hmm. didn't know how to socially uh, communicate with people, which, you know, I know it's like a false stereotype, but it's it was just kind of interesting that kind of shifted now uh, with the rise of like internet, uh, especially YouTube with Twitch, all these like gaming streamers coming out with, um, you know, playing games. Like people can make a living off of just playing games. It's I've, I definitely feel like the culture has shifted over the years um because even now uh because you know i'm a teacher and i see like all students uh playing games regardless of whether they're considered cool or not um but you know it's mainly guys and i don't see as much you know girls playing games but i do i have started to see more um you know rising of uh girl gamers Mm -hmm. but i definitely see that boys are definitely more into the gaming than girls yeah for sure for sure um yeah, there's definitely uh, an imbalance there when it comes to um, like um, male presenting and female presenting gamers. Is that also something you've kind of noticed too at the tournaments? Yeah, definitely. Um, all, all throughout the gaming communities, you know, like you know, you're t- when you think of a typical gamer, right? Um, you think of like you know just a guy, you know, maybe doesn't shower so much, you know, maybe a little nerdy. Um, you know, that's kind mm-hmm. of like the typical gamer kind of image, right? Um, and like you said, you know, these days gaming is a lot more mainstream. Um, so yeah, like that kind of image has shifted a little bit where, um, you know, now everybody plays games pretty much, you know, maybe you don't think you play video games, but you know, that little mobile game that you like to tap on, you know, while you're waiting in line at the checkout, like that's a game too. Um, a lot more people are playing, you know, like puzzle games and stuff like that. So um, it's really crazy to see how mainstream it's become. But with that said, uh, there's definitely, um, yeah, not only just representation issues, um, but yeah, inequality and um, just flat out misogyny uh, in gaming. Uh, that's kind of been in gaming culture since the beginning. And while it's better today, uh, like as, you know, recent events, um, you know, just a few years ago, there is the whole Gamergate um, kind of scandal where there's mass harassment uh, of women who, you know, work or play video games uh, work in or play video games uh, from just online like misogynists and um, a lot of people have saw that Gamergate movement as kind of like the beginnings of what you see now with a lot of um, polit- that has kind of turned into the political online harassment that you see from like the alt-right and stuff like that a lot of those people had their start in the Gamergate movement um and that has been a really big problem um for you know women and uh female presenting lgbt gamers uh in the community and it's yeah it still persists now and um especially like this past summer at least for um the the fighting game scene this um smash brothers scene uh there's just it was kind of like a me too movement me too moment where just you know um person after person were coming out 
with their stories after holding it in for so long um, of harassment, of abuse, rape, you know, just horrible situations, horrible stories. And it was just so overwhelming. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, were really shocked by all of this. You know, they're like, how, how could this be? You know, I thought this was better. Um, myself, n- not so much. Um, even at a young age, I could see the kind of like boys club mentality. Um, I didn't really have a word, you know, I didn't know the word misogyny back then. That wasn't something I read in my gaming magazines. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't have like the concept of it, but yeah, it was, you know, I was like, where, where are the women, you know? Why, why are they slinging slurs at this, um, you know, this gay, gay gamer who, you know, a lot of times in the gaming um, scene, they have like this kind of meritocracy myth where you know they think oh you know like the only thing that matters is your skill like you know whoever wins is you know we respect that person and while that's kind of true that's a lot of times that's only true if you're a guy you know like a cis cishet guy you know if you're not that then a lot of times i remember particularly uh, this one um, player from NorCal um, called Rick to this day. Uh, I think their tag is still Ricky. Hello Kitty Ricky. Um, uh, she has transitioned um, in the like, I don't know, is it 10 years ago? Wow. Um, but before then, um, she, you know, presented as kind of like a, a feminine presenting guy, gay uh, guy. And she would beat everybody like she like nobody could touch her right um but because you know she dressed a little bit differently um you know talked and acted a little bit differently she would get booed and throw get slurs thrown at her and everybody was rooting against her like even her own like crew right her own crew from the arcade that she played in all the time like I was just like, I remember thinking like as a kid, like, you know, like I, I, I got caught up in it a little bit too, because like she would always beat me. Right. So I wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> um, you know, I'd be in a tournament, um, you know, I'd face her first round. I'm like, oh man. And like, I swear to God, like they, they would always place me against her, you know, and I'm, I'm over here traveling like two hours. Right. You know, I can barely, you know, just barely learning how to drive using like what little money I made from, uh, my you know part-time job and I'm just go over here just to immediately lose to like the best player there um, but you know so like I, I got caught up in it a little bit but then like after a while I just saw how like how they were treating anybody else like that and I was like huh like what's up with that like why why is that you know um, really started to think critically about that and I was like it's because, you know, at that time, it's because she's gay. Um, And yeah, that was kind of like one of my first experiences um, of anti-LGBT harassment and um, just kind of the discrimination that LGBT people face. And, um, you know, today, Ricky has won so many, like, 
you know, is uh, international, like uh, actually a professional, you know, Street Fighter player who, you know, his main job is to play Street Fighter and has, you know, won the biggest tournament, you know, many times over now. Um, but still, you know, still kind of faces that harassment, you know, um, you know, especially like online, like on Twitch, you know, you'll have people like saying stupid stuff, you know. Um, and yeah, especially with the women in the gaming community, it's like, it's so harrowing, the kind of stuff that they have to go through just to be a part of it, you know. And, um, you know, that's, of course, obviously not just a problem in gaming that, you know, goes out further to the tech industry, you know, to the world at large. Um, but yeah, definitely in gaming spaces, um, it's, a, it's more pronounced, I would say, just because of, um, you know, the kind of boys club mentality that the gaming culture has kind of grown up from. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's it's kind of cool that you played against someone who's like very famous now, you know, <laughs> professional. Man, I'll still face her. I remember <laughs> one tournament, um, you know, after I came back to fighting games for Marvel 3, I faced her first round. I was like, oh my gosh, I was having flashbacks again. But, yeah. you know, I kind of, I've developed more where I'm like, okay, well, you know, if I lose to the person who won the tournament, well, you know, that that doesn't mean I'm bad. It just, yeah. you know, I, I lost to the person who won. So, you yeah. know, like everybody lost to them, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And the whole, uh, you know, the aspects of misogyny, like you said, it's also true in, you know, tech industry uh, and STEM, like, you know, mm -hmm. for engineers too, like there, are, there aren't too many uh, women who are majoring in engineers or like in the math Although I, I do see a bit more in like the biologies, but like in different, like then different, definitely in the tech field, there's less women, um, also less people of color in the field too. So it's definitely like an issue that's not just isolated to gaming. And I'd be kind of like curious too, if, if the toxicity of, you know, the misogyny I don't know has really changed or has stayed the same or has gotten worse because I feel like now with online there's this anonymity right that people can like like you mentioned like the comments on the Twitch or YouTube um you know like you got like all these you know crazy guys like making you know sexual harassment comments or uh very like I don't know just very nasty comments um to like women um Twitch streamers uh, or, you know, gamers in general. So I just feel like, I don't know, they're able to say whatever the hell they want. Um, they could be trolls, but yeah, I don't know if it's really gotten any better, but, or I don't know if it like for certain communities, it's just gotten worse or it just got exacerbated just because of the anonymity. But yeah, I don't know. And I, I I'm kind of also wondering like what, what can be done to, make this these kind of spaces less toxic yeah yeah i i i do feel like it's gotten better in some aspects um you know again i can only really speak to the fighting game community um you know there are a lot more women relatively in the fighting game community and especially depending on which games 
that you play. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, it's all good. Crazy. <laughs> I always get chickens in the background too. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like you know, there are more women, and it's not like this rare kind of thing. Um, but with that said, you know, um, especially online with the anonymity aspect, you know, whenever you know, even whenever you know a female presenting person comes up on stream, right? there's always something in chat like there's never without fail you know to the like the biggest streams where you have like you know millions of viewers or the smallest like homegrown streams like there's always something right and it's so annoying it's so tiring and so wrong um but you know the women who you know and also you know like um, video games are a relatively kind of like young medium, right? As opposed to like, you know, music or movies yeah, or that's you know, true. sports. Um, so like, you know, it's definitely developed, right? Um, so there's women who have been in the scene now for, you know, years, decades, and who've, you know, gone through a lot of this stuff and who has also helped um, the people who've come after them. And, um, built their own communities, their own um, kind of, you know, support networks um, that you often find um, like in places like STEM uh, where people of color or women, you know, or LGBT folks, you know, create their own kind of communities because they're left out or um, discriminated against by others. Um, so definitely gotta give some um, shout outs to the combo queens um you know a group of women who really um highlight and empower women in the fighting game scene um the smash sisters who do the same kind of thing in uh, the smash brothers scenes and um yeah you can find all kinds of groups like that um throughout every gaming community um so that's a really cool thing to see but yeah, definitely. You know, just uh, like I was mentioning with, you know, the whole Gamergate thing and just the online aspect of it where you're not face to face anymore, um, like you were in the old days in the arcades. Like, yeah, it's definitely at least made it more pre like more prevalent. Right. Or not more prevalent, um, more visible. You know, it's always been there before, but now it's just every chat you see you know and especially as gaming has gotten bigger um it's just more in your face right so you know like a lot of our struggles you know some things have gotten better some things not so much yeah and i think now there's is a bit more of a framework like you mentioned like when you were younger you know you didn't have like a framework or understanding why you know, women mm -hmm. gamers were being harassed, but you, you felt like it was wrong. And I'm sure, you know, some of the other men in that room did too, but like, you know, people didn't really have like a framework or understanding or how to express it. But I think yeah. now, uh, even within the young people that I teach, uh, there's, they, they do kind of have some sense of a framework of understanding of why it's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, even though some might still perpetuate it, but like they, you know, people have like a, a way to express it maybe there's like a bit more literature in, you know, like handling misogyny or patriarchy. Uh, there's like, people have like different tools to analyze like race and, you know, empower their own identity. I think 
you know, with the internet, there's an anonymity of like toxicity, but at the same time, there's also an anonymity or even like presentable, like empowerment communities too, like you mentioned about like the, the combo Queens and the smash sisters. Right. Um, so yeah, I think there's going to be like both positives and negatives that's going to be, I guess, come out. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah. And then you, you also, um, talked about, you know, how can we, you know, um, fight back against this. And, um, you know, obviously, like, uh, the groups that I mentioned are awesome. They're great. They're necessary. Um, and I love them, right? But, you know, it's not just about, you know, women, you know, helping other women or, you know, LGBT folks helping other LGBT folks. Um, you know, the people who do have more privilege, you know, cishet men like myself, it's our responsibility to fight against that, to not, you know, if somebody's in your chat and saying sexist stuff, you, you kick them, you ban them, you mute them. You know, you don't let that stuff rock. You don't let that culture, you know, um, thrive and, you know, persist. Um, you know, as, you know, and then speaking for myself, like as a cishet male, you know, like, I do not accept that stuff. If I see that stuff in chat or in my Discord or wherever, like I'll call them out, you know. Um, if it, no, of course, you know, there's a um, difference between calling out and calling in, um, you know, there's moments for each, but you, ha you can't just let that stuff slide. Uh, and I feel like that's where, that's why it's still here. To, to this day um, in these communities is because, you know, there's of course the bad actors who are, you know, racist, misogynist, you know, homophobic and stuff who are just like that. But there's also what's really the issue I feel like is the people who may not be that uh, or who say they're not that, but then when, you know, homophobic or misogynist stuff like comes out from other people they're just like, ah, oh, well, you know, that's that's my homie, and he doesn't really mean that, or you know, oh, that's like a, a top player, you know, like we, I don't want to say anything against them. They're you know they're really good at video games. They yeah. can push buttons good. Like nah, uh, uh, like you can't let that stuff rock. You, 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 that's how it takes root, and I feel like that's um, a failing from you know, uh, I won't say failing I mean, no i will say failing you know of the older generation of communities where they didn't you know they they let that stuff rock and it's now so embedded in gamer culture now um you know like this is a little off topic but like uh you know a gamer word there's a phrase called a gamer word and that's the n-word and like we call it the gamer word just because like you'll see so many streamers they'll say the n-word like out of nowhere right like why why are they saying this you know you can't even see the person on the other side of the screen like why are you calling them that right yeah um so it's just like been rooted and it's a part of the culture now um so i think it's really up to you know folks like myself um, who who have that privilege to really just knock it out and get rid of it and fight against it at every opportunity that you can. Yeah, definitely. 
even like the popular uh twitch or like youtube streamers because i remember like a couple years ago uh, pewdiepie had a controversy about something he said racist (laughs) yeah and uh, even though like i I personally don't you know care about him or you know this game the fact is uh so many kids and a lot of young people watch him um Mm -hmm. you know and he has a lot of influence whether he is aware of that or not i'm sure he is but like you know he's if he's gonna be in a way like unfortunately he's kind of like the model for some of these young gamers right yeah um and you got like other people like john tron i remember had made some problematic comments uh so many yeah i mean there's so many like of these uh popular like male um you know gaming streamers that have also like incited controversy and they get called out but unfortunately they they're still there you know like yeah they're not getting like any backlash or like they're not i don't know i don't know if they got demonetized for a while but they still kind of rise to the surface because there's just way too many fans that support them you know um and i also think the the gaming industry also has problems too with like how certain characters are represented like Mm -hmm. like even if you look at smash brothers or other games um, a lot of the women characters are very sexualized or they kind of look like quote-unquote like cute um and you know the male characters definitely have more a variety of like body shapes and uh you know how they're presented yeah Uh, i mean obviously like if you look at like certain type of shooting games like um or you know different types of uh characters uh for men um they're also like hyper masculine too so there's Mm -hmm. the elements of that um and I, I don't know because I I'm I'm also like starting to see that the game developers are also in a way contributing to it too um, for sure whether they're aware of it or not but they're also kind of abiding to what you know what's the standard of what a woman should be or a man should be yeah that, that's so true um, yeah it's it's a little bit better you know not every you know um, female presenting character in a game is you know buxom you know um but still like that's the stereotype that's so true and um you know a lot of yeah the the developers themselves um you know it's also um like we're talking about how these uh inequities are also in stem you know and the developers of games generally you know they yeah have to know how to code, how to, you know, at least design or create games um, that requires a lot of STEM knowledge. And so those inequities that come from the STEM sector are just, you know, reflected in the products that are created. Um, so yeah, there's um, definitely been a lot of, there needs to be something done there too. Um, and like, as I mentioned, the Gamergate um, controversy um, a few years back uh, that was against um, a woman developer um, at the time, you know, and um, you, this is what happens, you know, it's like when you let this stuff rock and you let this stuff thrive, you push women out, you know, you push um, the people who are affected out. And by doing so, you don't get their perspectives and worldviews. And it's just kind of like an endless cycle, right? Um, so yeah, as I mentioned before, like we have to stop it. We have to put a stop to it, um, ourselves and make sure that it doesn't persist and keep going another generation. And I do feel like 
it is happening um, in all aspects, whether it's um, you know, the community of gamers themselves or within um, the developing space. Um, there's definitely a lot of um, pushback in the game creation space to against a lot of these inequities. But there's still a long, long way to go. And um, yeah, I guess if anything to anybody who's out there listening to this and um, plays games or, you know, makes games, whatever, uh, the one thing that I would like to impart upon people is to really be a part of that change in um, creating a safer space for women, uh, LGBT folks, um, people of color. And to, yeah, really um, push back against the kind of casual misogyny or casual homophobia that you'll see, um, whether it's in the games themselves or in the people who play the games. Yeah. I know you mentioned earlier that the Gamergate or um, just gaming community in general, there tends Mm -hmm. to be a rise of uh, folks in the outright. I've also heard that in the anime community too. Like the, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not sure why. I, I mean, I have, I think I might have some reasons why that is, but it's it's kind of uh, interesting because those kind of spaces aren't necessarily political, but mm-hmm. there are some like folks in the outright that are really enjoying like anime or or uh, video games, and they kind of slowly start infiltrating uh, the community, and folks that are in there are kind of like, huh, huh, you know, oh, I guess this is like what we're supposed to believe, or this is what you know, it's kind of cool to, to, to believe. And I, I don't know, it just, it just kind of like the outright just kind of like infiltrates these communities that were considered apolitical and just kind of politicizes it in a direction that they want it to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, let, let me stop you right there real quick. Um, nothing's apolitical, right? There's polit- politics is, you know, the relationships and um, systems that human beings create to work with other human beings, right? So nothing that you do is um, apolitical that doesn't have politics. Um, The only reason I bring this up particularly is because there's a common refrain um, also especially started during Gaming Gate or Gamergate, um, you know, keep your politics out of my video games, right? Um, So basically like, you know, don't, with all the stuff we're talking about, about, you know, representation of you know women lgbt or people of color they're like yeah why why are, why are people talking about that in video games now you know like why do mm. people want more women they're like yeah we don't want your politics in our video games we're just here to have fun we're just here to push buttons right that's a common tactic um by these um you know folks that you know that they just say that like oh we're just here to have fun right like this stuff doesn't matter it's you know none of this stuff affects this world of video yeah. games, right? No, that's a good point. Yeah, and that's um, something that you see time and time again and people fall into that trap where like, oh yeah, you know, like we, we are just here to have fun, right? But it's easy to say if you're allowed into those spaces and you don't face the, the harassment, you know, you're not, you can't, you don't just, every time you, your face appears on the screen, that you get tons and tons of you know, sexual harassment, derogatory remarks just for the very presence of being on the screen, mm-hmm. right? 
So it's really, you know, it's really easy for like cishet males, you know, white males, especially to, to say that. So um, yeah, that's something that I really want to fight against that. There's politics in everything we do, no matter what, that's just the nature of being a human being, right? So yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. <coughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, for sure. And as far as like, I, um, like you were talking about the anime space, right? Um, anime avatar, <laughs> um, you know, people online who have like an anime character as like their profile picture or something that's a common refrain uh, or a common kind of derogatory statement like, oh, you can't listen to this person because they have an anime avatar, um, which unfortunately is true a lot of the times, you know, I, I take offense to it because I have in all my social media, I have an anime avatar yeah for the dragon quest main character um but yeah it's i feel like it's a part of it kind of comes from this place um where a lot of the times you'll see like where the a lot of the people who are in the alt-right come from right where there are these um safe spaces for um you know like men who might have been, you know, looked down upon in other traditional spaces, like, um, you know, this is a stereotype, um, but, you know, like the nerdy guy who, you know, maybe is not good at sports, but then goes to, you know, video game communities or anime communities. And, you know, due to the anonymity um, that, and the persona that you can create online, um, you can get a sense of empowerment there right and um you know kind of build up and lash out against you know um perceived injustices um uh, against you you know so um a lot of the times like the mri um the men's rights community right um kind of comes from this place where they feel or actually nowadays um what is it called incels right um kind of come from this place where you know they they find empowerment in these communities of other people of other like-minded people right and just kind of um get indoctrinated into these um ideals and yeah it's really unfortunate that you know again it's um with the anime community it's kind of the same kind of thing where you know, not only is it kind of, you know, a lot of, let's face it, to this day, you know, anime it can be pretty misogynistic, you know, think of like One Piece, right? One of the most famous, um, longest running animes uh, in the game, you know, all of its women characters are, um, the Japanese term is bonkyu bong, you know, they're very, you know, hourglass, you know, very pretty woman. Um, so, you know, again, you know, the misogyny and stuff comes from the developers, it takes root inside the communities, and kind of perpetuates from there. And um, while you do, you know, say, as, as I was saying before, with the gaming community, you do see pushback. Um, there's a lot of, you know, women and um, LGBT folks who love anime too. But you know, again, they're still marginalized and still, um, yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting about these outright communities, like you mentioned the incel or uh, 
the men's rights. It's like they enable each other. And mm-hmm. I just feel like they, I don't even know if, if I would even consider it an empowerment. It's just like their, their, their whole uh, ideology is to just attack, attack any, like anything that doesn't um, make, make them feel comfortable. It's uh, I mean, it's like enabling each other and, it's it's also i don't know they're also like miserable too like yeah. they feed off of misery and the pain and i don't i don't know like just anything negative and toxic and mm-hmm. it, in a way it doesn't it's not really a self-help group <laughs> it just makes them even worse you know it's like in order for them to actually be you know get help they have to get out of that space and find support yeah. other ways and i actually think they would be better off in uh, more like leftist or uh, progressive communities where uh you know certain identities and uh different ideologies are you know kind of shared and and respected i don't know uh yeah yeah i totally agree with you um no what one kind of way i look at it right is that um you know uh I feel like more progressive spaces, um, more accepting places, uh, they're more accepting of, um, you know, a spectrum of people, right? Nothing is black and white. Uh, and I feel like with a lot of these um, spaces, yeah, it's, I, I, I agree with you. It's not empowering, right? It's, um, I forget what the word is, but um, they find power over others through it. Um, yeah. But the way that they do that is by compartmentalizing people into you know right and wrong basically um if you're this then you're wrong if you're this then you're right and not allowing for any nuance or any kind of um, spectrum for people and you know people are all we all live on some kind of spectrum on you know there's always a gray area for everything that we do in our lives um so yeah by enforcing this kind of black and white you know worldview um, really limits people and limits the people who think in those terms because they themselves, by definition, can't be a hundred percent in those spaces, right? A hundred percent black or white. Um, and then so the kind of the cognitive dissonance that comes with trying to see the world in a way that it really isn't. Um, yeah, it can lead to a lot of misery, a lot of suffering, and a lot of internalized self-hate at times, um, too, which is then just kind of projected outwards towards others. Yeah. And it's one of the most, like, unfortunate and really sad things about it all. Yeah, and it, it's no wonder that uh, white men's health is declining or their uh, lifespan is also decreasing over the years, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like you also look at like the cases of uh, mass shooters in the United States, which is the biggest, in, you know, any other country. Uh, like majority of those people come from these outright ideologies. Like they have these yeah. manifestos, you know. Like uh, Elliot Roger had a like, you know, manifesto where he and he was very mis- mis- misogynistic. You know, he mm-hmm. he didn't like women. He, he laid out like all these writings about the hatred for women, and how he wasn't you know getting laid. Uh, you got like Dylan Roof shooting up uh, black churches, right? Um, and you know he, you know he has like outright ideologies too. Like most of these, pretty much majority of these terrorists that are in the United States are you know white men that have these kind of ideologies. So it's also very dangerous too to our society. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, just even, you know, record, recording this um, after um, December 25th on 2020 and, you know, the, the tragedy that just happened and it's, it's like it happens again and again and again. And, um, you know, for me, like I was saying, like, we have to, we have to stop the cycle, you know, um, it's, of course, you know, underprivileged folks do what they can to survive and um, create support groups for themselves. But what the only way that it can truly be stopped is the, the people who have the privilege, you know, whether it's, um, whether you're male, you know, heterosexual, cisgender, you know, uh, white, um, to really use your privilege to stop, put a stop to this endless cycle of hatred. And I don't know, you know, when, <laughs> when we'll be able to say that, hey, we made it, right? Um, but the only way we can get there is by keeping at it and being adamant at, um, yeah, not not letting that stuff rock, you know, not letting that seed of, you know, hatred of take take a hold of people in you.